it's about saying no to things that do not serve you. And this can be very difficult for a lot of people. You can make a decision that's such a big fuck up that like it can set you back a couple of months. Yeah. Like how can you solve my problem and add value to my life? If you're not a coach looking to scale your business to over $100,000 a month, we've got a pleasure of having Ilya, one of our clients who's crushed it, who's broken that big milestone and has huge goals for 2024. Um, today, Ilya is gonna share some of the success she's had, like what's really impacted her business and how she's done what she's done and maybe broken some limiting beliefs. So thank you very much for coming in here today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Really excited as well to have this chat. Um, so to give some background, what's your niche for your fitness business? So we work with women only. Um, in terms of like the actual demographic, it's pretty worldwide, interestingly enough. Um, but I find that a lot of women in the Middle East can relate to me and myself because I'm from the Middle East as well. So probably like 50% from the Middle East and 50% from the rest of the world. And it's typically just gem pop, women who want to tone up, lose some weight. So, yeah. Okay. And the first thing to dig into that, how has your mindset changed since you've grown your business? So in terms of maybe where you were at the start and then where you are right now? I think the biggest thing for me is like just being more open-minded and accepting the fact that I don't know what I don't know. Um, I think I used to be quite stubborn at the start and I was very reluctant to accept advice and knowledge from people who were doing better than me. And then I checked my ego and I was like, okay, if I want to take it to the next level, I need to be more open-minded. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that's changed for me. And I think my... Um, resilience to like stress has increased tremendously. It's just part of it. So there's gonna be fires you're gonna to wanna to put out a lot of the time and that's absolutely fine, it's part of it. So I think my stress tolerance levels have increased a lot. But I think one thing about my mindset that has not changed is the fact that like I'm always moving the goalpost so I don't get complacent. I look at my business all the time and I'm like, this is shit. Not in a bad way, but like in a way where I'm like always looking to improve. And I think a lot of coaches, they get stuck at like that 20, 30K mark. 100%. And they're like, oh, I'm hitting 20, 30K. I'm balling now. Like, look at me. And it's like, that's great. Celebrate your wins, but keep fucking going. Whereas for me, like every single time I hit a goal, I'm like, I celebrate for like a minute. And then the dopamine just goes back down. I'm like, okay, what, what now? You know? So I think that's like the main thing that hasn't changed um, mindset wise as well. Why do you think so many coaches get into that trap? Because I even think it's less. I think a lot of people get to 10, 15K a month and think, oh yeah, I'm doing really, really well now. Why do you think so many people get lured into that trap and how have you lured yourself out of that? Um, it's, it's hard to tell. I think, I think for me, the reason why I've not fallen into that trap is because I always grew up like not feeling like I was enough. This goes like into like therapy and stuff, but I think it's just innate in me to always want to like do better and improve. I think it was almost like how I was raised as well. Um, but I think I'm very competitive at the same time. So it's half like just how I see myself and like always wanting to do better, not feeling like I'm enough. But also I see others doing better. I'm like, no, I can I can beat that as well. So I think just trying to, yeah, check yourself and, and just don't take your foot off the gas from day one. You know, if you're still starting out and this is new to you, it's like, remember, you're going to feel amazing when you hit those big numbers that you thought you could never hit before, but there's so much more to that and you have to keep on aiming for more, otherwise you're just gonna get complacent and it's just not gonna grow. Uh, I love one of the things you said there in terms of like not feeling good enough because that's definitely one of the things that's driven me is almost like huge insecurity in terms of like 
maybe not being shown enough like love as a child from my parents and stuff like yeah. from therapy shit as well yeah. it's like uh, trying to stack so many fucking wins and so much success that's like it's impossible that you can't fucking love me because yeah. I'm so successful and whatever but I think what I think is important to take from that is like you wouldn't be in the position you are if it wasn't because of those things and you have to use um, whatever fuel you have to drive and motivate you mm. and like for me for example I'm very much driven more by like the stick of like pain rather than like the carrot of success and I, most people I see who are really successful tend to be like that because why most people tap out when they get to 15 20k a month is like there isn't enough motivation to go beyond that so they just coast exactly. does that sound fair yeah that makes sense I think for me it's it's like I know how disappointed I'd be in myself if I didn't progress that's the motivating thing it's like you said it's not like the carrots the stick the, mm. the pain essentially yeah and I think there's nothing worse than when you know you've let yourself down 100% and I think that's where a lot of people struggle to keep themselves accountable. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned previously you studied at university. Yes. Business. Yes, I actually did my master's okay. in entrepreneurship. So I have two degrees that I don't use. <laughs> How do you find the relevance of that carries over into this? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like university as a mm. whole, I think for some industries, obviously it makes sense. Like if you're a doctor, a lawyer, but I think if you want to have your own business, start your own business, you can be so successful without any education, like higher education, I mean. Like my boyfriend, Adam, he didn't go to uni, he didn't do A-levels, like nothing. And he's so successful. I think for me, from experience, like we learned a lot of theoretical things or a lot of things that I would delegate and outsource. We had a lot of like finance and accounting, which I outsource. Um, the marketing strategies we learned are very outdated as well. And they made us try and put some into practice and they all failed miserably. We actually did them on my business, funnily enough, it's like a case study at the time. This was like in 2021. They had me run YouTube ads for okay. my coaching and like TikTok ads. Okay. And at the time it just flopped. What, what were they running the ads to out of interest? In terms of like- Landing the, pages and stuff. I can't even remember. Like it was so bad. Um, so it was just so out of touch with like what my business needed at the time. Um, don't get me wrong. It was great for like networking and I guess, yeah, learning and learning how to work under pressure because I was doing so many things at the same time. I was running my business. I was working at a donut shop. I was doing this master's degree full time. Um, but I think for me, the game changing thing was like hiring mentors who have been there, done that, you know. So I feel like a lot of the time with higher education, it's not specific enough to what we need. And you can just do so much better without it. And if you hire the right people that have, yeah, that have done what you want to do. One of the things you said there that was interesting in terms of um, you being really busy. And one of the things I hear people say is I don't have enough time. How did you find time? So. Well, how do you find time now? I mean, you have to like obviously make the time, but also it's about saying no to things that do not serve you. And this can be very difficult for a lot of people. Um, it's less socializing, it's less time with friends, it's um, choosing to quit jobs that are like a safety net. So for me at the time, working at that donut shop, I worked there for like four years. And then I think my online coaching had, you know, it started to take off. I was like, okay, I need to quit this. And once I did, that's when like my business doubled in a month. Have you got any photos of you working the donut shop? Yes, I do. I actually used to vlog like okay. when I was working there as well. Um, I do have quite a, it's like, it's called donut time in okay. London for anyone who knows. Okay. Um, I worked there during one of my preps, funnily okay. enough. So the willpower thing is, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just like saying no and choosing your business over anything else for a period of time is really important. 
Yeah. I think the big thing there is the power of no is really important. And also the bigger your business gets, like I've learned from experience, and I'm sure you're finding now, is like the power of no becomes more important because you've got more money, you've got more leverage, you've got more opportunities, you're gonna do whatever the fuck you want in terms Mm -hmm. of the business. But it's easy to get lured in by red shiny objects of like, yeah, let's go run YouTube ads and like do all this type of stuff. And I tell a story about when I first moved to Dubai, my goal was like, I'm scaled to a million dollars a month. I like put this huge strategy on a whiteboard of like all these 15 things, I hired loads of teams and like it was anarchy. And the reality is that often, I see that sometimes when people get money and their their business is growing quickly, they can get reckless and trying to like throw money into things and do too many different things. Where one of the things I'd say you've done beautifully well is just like scaling up the basic things really well, which is all you really need to do with business. Yeah, I think a big mistake people make is like the red shiny object mm. thing. Like, do I need a new logo or like new branding or like a launch or a yeah. campaign? And I'm like, no, book calls and close them. Yeah. That's it. I think there was at some point I almost got lured into like um, this whole launch campaign, new branding type of thing. And then Adam, my boyfriend again was like, this is shit, don't do it. And I was like, okay, you're right. So I think sometimes having someone to check you and be like, you know, give you that direction. Um, Cause it can be very tempting mm. to the new, like the new trendy thing that everyone else is doing, but you have to just stay focused, whatever is working, do more of it, so. And I also think that sometimes that's where people pay attention to the wrong things, right? So like there's a big wave where I saw a lot of people rebranding their business and coming up with like team fucking yeah. Charlie or whatever bullshit. Yeah. And like actually no one cares what your business is called, really. Exactly. Like there's like, this is the problem I have, can you solve it? And how do you generate the lead to have that conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically the flow we need. One of the questions some of the clients in Mastermind asked was in terms of your lead generation strategies you're using to scale. Yeah. What do they look like currently? So currently, mainly for me, it really is just paid ads, Facebook ads, Um, whatever works organically. I just put money behind it. I make sure that it's obviously suited to like the advertising guidelines. You don't want to get banned. Um, But yeah, mainly it is paid advertising. And um, we have an influencer who like, you know, tags me every now and again. And that helps a lot because she used to be a client of ours. She transformed like incredibly well and yeah a lot of people can relate to her and she has hundreds of thousands of followers so i think if you've got someone that you're coaching that has a big following or has a big network the power of like referrals and influencers is, is huge even when i first started a few years ago one of my clients she wasn't an influencer and everything but she had a very strong network of people um and she posted me to her stories a couple of times and that really helped her business grow at the time as well and i think what's really interesting you just said there is when you Combine, you clearly have a really good program or product that gets really good results with paid advertising that already works. Mm-hmm. Most people don't understand that if their ads are profitable on the front end and they're bringing in clients, they're actually a lot more profitable than you think. Because say if like one in three people uh, refer someone else, mm-hmm. you're actually making more money than you think that multiplier effect is just going on in the background. Yeah. And I think um, that's where like you having a good business overall means that your clients are basically acquiring more clients through you just because of the success of what you do. Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely right. And I think just like not being afraid to just share and like market a lot of the success stories. Cause some people at the start, they might think, oh, am I like marketing too much? Is this too salesy? It's never too salesy. A lot of the time you need to see like something being marketed to you. I think it's like seven times they said in like the research before someone actually like buys. Um, so yeah, like even for me, a lot of the time, like I've got people in my DMs like after seven times or eight times or nine times of them seeing me saying, hey, we're taking on five new people and then they sign up. So don't be afraid to be a bit pushy sometimes, I would say. 100%, I'll give you an example of that. Yeah. I actually recently signed up to Grant Cardone's email list, I can't remember how. 
and I get four emails a day from him, like every day. Like even my assistant was like, do you want me to like get rid of these and put them in folder? I was like, no, I actually want to see what he does. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where like you need to probably market and sell more than you actually realize. And I think most people in particular coaches are afraid of that. And I think the reality is like, if you want to have a successful business, if you don't market and sell, you're not gonna have any clients. And 100%. that's the whole point. Yeah, I think for me, like the big, uh, this is once when my ego was checked. This was again, Adam, credit to him. I used to like post my life a lot to my stories. Like I would just like vlog my life. Like if I went out for a coffee, I'd just take a photo of the coffee and post it to my fucking story. Um, I'd used to put like my competing stuff all the time as well. And he said, people aren't going to buy off you. They just see all the shit on your stories. And I was like, no, but it makes me more relatable. Da, da, da. He was like, you know, doing so much better than me as well. And I was like not taking his advice. Uh, and then I think the minute I just changed that and now I really use my stories just for business, like it's either giving value or marketing or selling. It's changed the game massively as well. Do you think, not in a sexist way, but too many women in particular get caught in trying to be influencers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not sexist at all. I do believe in like, you know, feminine, masculine energy and stuff. And I think a lot of girls... Um, they just get stuck in this trap of, yeah, wanting not to be an influencer, but to kind of just show off mm. almost, or like just show off their lives. And you can have multiple accounts for that. I have like five different accounts and I have like a personal account where I can vlog my life there. And it makes me happy to do that. But like business is business. So yeah, I think a lot of girls do fall into that trap, unfortunately. And it's, it's hard for them to kind of step away from it. It was hard for me, but once I did, it really changed the game. How did you come out of that influencer mindset to then think focusing on a business? Was there like a pivotal moment? Cause like I, respectfully, I speak to some people and I feel like I just want to fucking like slap them or shake them. Like, are you retarded? Like, like, what, like you're, you're like showing these shitty discount codes to make like $10. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I think for me, the moment was just, I was like, okay, I was really frustrated that it wasn't growing for a while. I was stuck at like the 30 K ish, mark for like a few months um I was like, okay let me just try for like a couple of days do this story strategy where you do like one story or two stories a pull a call to action and keep it to just that and just from doing that i saw like my story views like quadrupling way more conversations and then i was like okay this is already working very well if i just did this the number of conversations that i can generate is going to explode and I think just the fact that I got results from that, I was like, okay, this is proof that it can work. Um, and yeah, I think just being frustrated enough after a few months of not seeing growth. And again, I think it comes down from like your own intrinsic motivation of pain. Cause yeah. like you at that point, most people are like, oh, I'm making 30 a month, like this is cool, cool. Mm -hmm. I can like post whatever the fuck I want and mm -hmm. go to the beach and do whatever and yeah. show that my story is and it all looks cool. But um, the reality is people don't really give a shit about like you, me or whoever. They're mm -hmm. just like, they people care about themselves and their own problems. Like, how can you solve my problem and add value to my life? And I think the more um, coaches and people do that with social media, the easier it is for them to pick up clients. 100%, yeah. And I mean, it's, I even have friends who ask me like, oh my gosh, like, how'd you do it? And I say, look, like on your stories, stop doing this, do that instead. And they don't listen. And. I, but also those are the people who won't <laughs> post like client results and ask people to yeah. message them to get clients as well, true. right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what's funny as well? It's like not only like coaches that are like this, but even some mentors mm. I have heard are like, don't hire a VA, do everything yourself or um, 
you shouldn't be asking for for like a sale more than x times per like month or whatever and i'm like but why like that's literally what you should not you should have a va you shouldn't not like outsource things you shouldn't be doing everything yourself because you're doing this to buy your time back what's the point in like spending all your time doing this if you can't buy your time back it's just well, so stupid or you then create is like what most people do is like the golden handcuffs of a well-paid yeah. job but they're like doing everything like yeah doing all the messaging all the sales call coaching everyone and then they're like a year down it and they're trapped in this mm-hmm. system they can't get out of and I, I see that a lot and I see in particular I think I don't know if the people you're talking about are British but I see it a lot in terms of the <laughs> yeah. the British culture of like oh you shouldn't go do this you shouldn't yeah. go do this I'm like but that's actually how you build a business mm-hmm. and I think too many people don't have the ability maybe that you do in terms of like critically thinking of like no that's retarded yeah and like i think another one is that i've heard is don't use paid ads you're gonna lose money and like if you do it wrong you will but if you do it right it's like it's like a button where you press the button and then you get leads like yeah it just it blows my mind and i feel bad because some people like I think for a lot of coaches, they like hearing that because it's what they want to hear. Mm. They say, oh yeah, paid ads didn't work for me. And this mentor is saying that they don't work, so I'm going to go work with them. But yeah, it's just the blind leading the blind. 100%. And that's um, (laughs) where it's cognitive bias, right? So like I've lost, I've spent over a million pounds on Facebook ads. I've lost a huge amount of money on stupid shit that hasn't worked. I've done some stuff recently that stupid shit that hasn't worked. But then like with paid ads, have you found, like when you get one thing to work, Mm -hmm. that can like, 100x pay for all the other mistakes you've made exactly and the problem is most people aren't willing to like test or try enough or actually use a strategy that works now what do i mean by that is that um i see a lot of like really elaborate ad ad strategies that people want to run like i don't know running a youtube ad to vsl to like direct to payment link Mm -hmm. or something like that that's really complicated and really difficult to pull off like could it work yes do i know anyone who's getting to work one person in the entire fitness industry so like am I probably going to go and do the most difficult strategy? No, I'm probably going to do like, what's the easiest thing I can do that I know loads of other people have got to convert? Like go and do that and get that profitable. And I think that's where too many people don't understand that your ability to run pay traffic, if it's like 0.9 ROAS, like return on ad spend versus 1.1 ROAS, it's millions because Mm -hmm. you can scale that. Exactly. So like that just comes down to tracking numbers. Like even I looked at, some of our ads this morning, I was like, these shit are not that profitable, but it was like 2.4 lifetime ROAS profits. I was like, I could actually just keep scaling this. If mm-hmm. I spent a hundred grand a month, I'm making like 120 grand a month. It's like, maybe I'll just keep put, put more money in. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is most people don't actually know the metrics or they don't know what success looks like. They're aimlessly putting an ad out into the abyss, hoping for the best rather than having an actual plan. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's just, it's difficult sometimes so you don't find good content on this you know you don't find there's not a lot of like resources i mean there are resources like how to actually set up your facebook ad account but i think working with someone again who's been there done that can give you guidance is really important Uh, i would say with the paid ads front a lot of it's thinking outside the box because everyone's business is different right so some mm-hmm. like the advice we've given you in terms of targeting is different than like we wouldn't run ads to like kuwait or something like we yeah. have actually run ads to kuwait it was terrible um, really uh we were running them to men it the, the cost per lead was very low but we get a lot of very poor quality leads that's very interesting mm. because see like for example i've run ads to kuwait mm. very high quality leads um i'm just a white blonde guy um <laughs> uh, but however on a complete spectrum 
we run ads to Mexico and like print money off that. The cost per lead is like 50 cents or something yeah. retarded. And that's like our most profitable ad set. People are like, you're running ads to Mexico. There's like, there's loads of wealthy people there who are like expats and stuff. That's so, true, yeah. Um, and you randomly when I was skiing in America, like the most expensive resort in the world, there's loads of Mexicans there, like 50% of the people, there's loads of money there. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, which I never realized. Yeah. And this is often sometimes where people need to think outside the box because they just try and like follow like a sheep of like, yeah, let's just run ads to like New York because that's got loads of money. It's like, that's probably the worst place to run ads to in mm -hmm. the US because the people are difficult and the cost per lead is so high. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, as you said, the blind leading the blind is a true thing because it's like, they end up getting caught in that trap of thinking that's a good idea. But when, like, I know I've tried it, it definitely isn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's easy for them to correct that, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I've also heard of, like, people um, from, like, previous mentorships that we were, like, in the same groups, they had hired, like, agencies mm. to run their ads for them and, like, they just lost, like, hundreds of thousands of pounds. That... I... <laughs> I spoke to a client who joined us and he... He hired an ads agency that was thirty thousand pounds just to hire them, mm -hmm. and I said to him, I was like, like why, why? Like for a second, like why? And he was like, oh, they worked with like this company who was like, I don't know what influencer have like completely different niche. Mm -hmm. They made him loads of money. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but that's completely different than fitness. And what most people don't understand is when you hire an ads company, that's just the fee to pay them, right? Not including the spend. The reality is that the amount of profit you have to make on that is wild to make the money back. And mm -hmm. I was like that's definitely not going to work and it didn't and he lost like 70k or something retarded um and that's sometimes like one of the most important things i say to people like we work with is it's not what we tell you to do is important it's sometimes what we tell you not to do because sometimes you can make a decision that's such a big fuck up that like it can set you back a couple of months yeah and i think um pain is knowledge really fast i made a lot of big mistakes like that before and i would say um you can't delegate something unless you understand it because um, that you'd know in terms of running your own ads. Like if someone's running ads for you and they're talking to you about like CTR and frequency scores and like all this type of shit, like, mm -hmm. what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. They'll just bamboozle you with language or be like, mm -hmm. I'm testing. Um, whereas they're just trying to rinse through your ad spending to keep you on as long as possible. So I think that's a slippery slope in terms of where people go wrong with that, I think. Yeah, and it's funny you said that you need to avoid doing certain things mm. more than like actually doing things. One of the questions that we got was like, what are your top like three do's and don'ts, mm. right? I actually had a very hard time coming up with the do's, but like for the don'ts, I was like, oh, I've got a list of so yeah. many things. Um, off the top of like my head, I see a lot of people doing uh, these like free Facebook groups. I've even been there and I'm like, it's so dumb. It's so, like, if you're watching this, don't do a free Facebook group. It is the biggest waste of time. Anything that's, like, free, that I've, isn't, I've like, a free 7, magnet. I've 7,000 people in it, and it's yeah. worth time. Yeah, I've got, like, 6,000 people yeah. on mine, and literally zero money from it at all. Um, anything that's free that's not, like, a free lead magnet you're giving out to start a conversation, I think is just, you're attracting the people that you don't want in the your business. The barrel. Exactly. Um, yeah, I've done, like, a free trial before that flopped. What else should you not do? Don't get distracted. Rich any object. Just focus on so, doing that. So what them. I'd actually go back to the free thing. Yeah. Uh, we both have money. So I'd put this into position. If I, um, if you had a problem like you wanted to solve, mm -hmm. are you going to do the, the free thing or are you going to find someone who you can pay just to solve the thing? Oh, I'm going to look for the most expensive thing. Literally. Like even I was on holiday last month and I was choosing between like different hotels, different flights. I'm like, I want the most expensive. I want the nicest, I want the best experience. So if you want to attract wealthy clients, don't like, you know, under undersell yourself because you're gonna attract the wrong people. And what people don't understand is that people who have money 
the most valuable thing they have isn't the money, it's the time. It's the time. So for example, like you wanted to go on vacation, you don't really care about the money. It's like mm-hmm. you only, you've only got a week or two there. Like yeah. you want to make this as good as possible. So how can I make this time as good as possible? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people don't understand that you giving away free stuff and for doing free groups is literally going to pull in the exact type of people you can't sell into the program you want to sell. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a big don't. Um, group coaching. I'm like, no, it's such a, such a waste of time. What else? What's a big don't that I can think of? Well, yeah, don't get distracted. I would say anything that's a low ticket program or product, like eight week challenges. That's yeah. confess how I started my business. I would yeah. definitely not do that in hindsight. And I think, um, like I actually spoke on our group call last night about it. Was that like sometimes you have to leave money on the table. And I'll give an example. There's a guy who wants to pay me $1,000 an hour to PT him in our building. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing no. it. Because yeah, it's absolutely. like my time is worth way more than that and I can't be asked. I and get that a lot as well. People who are in Dubai are like, oh, like since you're in Dubai as well, I'll pay you this much to come mm. train me. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, when you said about like the low ticket offer, but I find that when you do the Voldemort offer, mm. like that way, I do this in my DMs where like, okay, I say if a call doesn't close or something, or if it's someone who says like, I cannot afford it, here's a very like low ticket thing. No sales call needed, literally no fulfillment needed either. And that works pretty well, but I wouldn't like advertise it. Mm. It's like in the DMs, hush, hush, like, oh, by the way, we have this thing. So Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the Voldemort offer, I don't know where I came up, stupid name from Harry Potter, (laughs) is that uh, basically our eight week challenge we started a business with, which is definitely not what you should do. if we get someone who can't financially afford the program or we have them on a sales call, we'll just push them into that. And it's like 297 for a year or 47 a month. Mm-hmm. And from our side, there's no fulfillment, it's all automated. And it's just that liquidates ad spend to put back into the system. So I'd say um, that's something when you have a bigger business, like in your position, mm-hmm. it's worth doing because you've got the volume to have that come in. If you're someone who's making 15, 20K a month, I wouldn't get yeah. distracted building that out right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I at the start, like I didn't have anyone take me up on it, but now that like, I've kind of systemized it in a way where we offer it like automatically to some people who just don't sign up. I've got like different lists and stuff in my, um, my active campaign. So it's like no effort on my part either. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think um, that's where the free money is. The mm-hmm. question for you then, what are the three do's you should do? Right. So number one is going to be, I think, hire someone that can actually help you. Um, I I wish I had like hired my first mentor at the time a lot sooner um, because that was when I started seeing tangible growth in my business and always just try and find someone who's done what you want to do and who's helped other people do what you want to do. And this means that sometimes you might outgrow certain mentorships and that's fine. I've outgrown the one that I used to be in which is why I reached out to you because I was like, okay, you're at that next level. You've been there, done that. You've helped others do the same. I want that as well. The person I was working with before helped me get to where I got to, but they couldn't help me go any further. I was stuck for a very long time. Um, So don't be afraid to hire someone who really, really has the knowledge and the skills to help you get there. That's like my number one thing to do. The second one is a bit cringe, but for me, it really, really like is super important is You need to believe that your goals are inevitable. You need to believe that they've already happened because otherwise, why are you going to like take action towards them subconsciously? Like if you genuinely like doubt yourself and you feel like I can't do this, why the fuck would you like get up every day and do the sales calls, book the, you know what I mean? So stupid and as cringe as it sounds like I have a vision board. I went- My phone is, but I've got a vision board on that. yeah, Yeah. I like went into like Stripe, and I like photoshopped it. It's like the numbers that I want it to be. And it's there. And whenever I surpass that number, I update it. 
you know um i have like a whiteboard with how many signups i'm on my revenue and it's updating every single day and that really helps the subconscious part of your brain um that you don't even think about and that helps you take that conscious action every single day so yeah believe in yourself that's one one two. thing i actually posted my stories of the day is that like um the way I try and frame it to think is that I've already achieved everything I want to achieve. It's mm -hmm. time hasn't caught up yet. Yeah, 100%. And I do that with a combination of also like, I'll often write all the things I want to achieve in present tense. Like mm -hmm. I have a net worth of this. I make this a month. I yeah. live here. I do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Cause like, as you said, it's manipulating your brain to believe. And I think that's the big thing most people don't understand is that, um, they don't see how far you can go. Mm -hmm. And to give an example, I said, this on a podcast earlier with Nathan, um, Eric Spoffer when I had a podcast the other day, like we were chatting, whatever, and he said he made $170,000 the day before online. I was like, fuck me. I was like, I feel broke. I need to work harder. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's like when you hear people talk at like numbers so far ahead of you, like or like at that level, you're like, fuck. So there's, you can take this as far as you want, but it's how much you're willing to let your brain like almost like let the shackles off mm -hmm. and just run with it. 100%. And this brings me to like my third do is like set goals that are like unrealistically big because only you can determine what's realistic, right? So don't let yourself, don't limit yourself, you know? Like, when I first started this whole online coaching thing, I was like, oh, if I made like three grand, that would be nice, you know? I was a very broke student when I started. So I think just as I've grown, I've just set the bar so much higher. And I think that first call I had done with you, and you were like, you can hit 100K by November. After we got off that call, I was like, fuck. November's in like two months, yeah. how am I gonna? I did it. Because I think it's just shifting your belief system to like realizing you can do so much more. And worst case scenario, even if you don't hit that like crazy goal that you set for yourself, you're going to go a lot farther than if you had like set a smaller goal. So do you remember what goals. I said to you the other day, like last month to turn the goal for next year? Yeah. Yeah. You're like 300K a month. Yeah. You, you'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I will. But the thing is, if you hadn't said that to me, I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know what I can achieve. I think also having someone who can who knows what's realistic for you, who's done it and who knows like, okay, I've done this myself before. Like seeing where you are now, you can hit this at this point. Like we can help you get there. I think is huge. Yeah. And it's, um, when you've done something a lot of times, you can, you get a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. You can just see how things are going to play out yeah. because like you have the ability and the, the mindset clearly to do it. And, um, you have the skill set to do it. So it's like, thing for you is just staying on the fucking rails and mm -hmm. like keeping it going and that momentum and then you, you'll get there so it's like yeah uh, so it's a lot of people it's not if but when so it's exactly. like it might take six months it might take nine months it might take three months like um and i always say one of the mistakes sometimes some people make is they almost like throttle themselves with pressure and stress and anxiety of like it has to be done next month mm -hmm. and that's almost where like the decision making goes out the window in terms of like being reckless with trying to do too many things and being sporadic, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely put that much pressure on myself before. And I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes pressure is good to push you, but don't let it get out of hand to the point where like it depilates mm. you and you just like your decision making just goes out the window, yeah. The best thing that I found to help with that, is what you mentioned about the mm -hmm. whiteboard, is literally I have like, I just like updating that every day, yeah. like sets my mind in terms of like, I know exactly like the pace, almost like the heartbeat of my businesses. Mm -hmm. So like, right income month today, daily average income, like projection of where we're going to be in like projected profit. And then mm -hmm. that just keeps you of almost like a pace of the business where everything's at. The projections for me are huge. Mm. I find comfort in numbers. Same. Um, so I have like my assistant every month, 
she does not only like what's projected this month what's projected next month as well it just gives me peace of mind so i can set realistic targets for like each week um yeah i think that helps a lot because let's say if like we have a lot of people who are like on their monthly retainers right so okay if none of the payments fail this is what's going to be you know your projected income i remove a percentage off that because a lot of dickheads just end up not paying yeah. <laughs> which really annoys me anyway uh, so i have that number i'm like okay if i want to hit x this month this is the number of total signups i need per week how many signups is that how many calls that show up is that how many calls booked is that so i think reverse engineering as well you can find comfort in the numbers and it helps um, alleviate a lot of the stress I think that's an important thing you brought up then. It's like people need to know the number of how many clients they need to sign up a week yeah. to hit the goal. And then when they know that, it's like, okay, cool. How many calls do you need to book? Mm -hmm. Like when you know that, you just obsess on those two numbers and then the rest then happens. Exactly. Um, by default. And that's like the leading indicator of these type of businesses is like how many calls you're booking generally. Mm -hmm. 100%. I think for me, like what was game changing is like in 2023, at some point I got very meticulously tracking my numbers, which I wasn't doing before. And doing that was just game changing. How many conversations? How many like actual like yeah calls booked, scheduled calls like who actually show up, um, close calls, all that kind of thing. And just having those numbers in place just helps so much. Hundred percent. One of the things you your business obviously scaled very dramatically. One of the mm -hmm. questions from the guys from Mastermind asked is, how have you scaled uh, onboarding and delivery? Yeah, um, with the onboarding, I have a tech team that does all that for me because I suck at tech. So like everything's like Zapier emails not my thing so i just outsourced it so that's just it takes no time now like literally anyone signs up it's super easy they just get all the emails got their onboarding so if you're good at like tech you can do zapier and all that shit good for you do it i can so find someone that can anyone on fiverr literally there's they're really good at what they do now the actual delivery um i have an amazing team of coaches and they go above and beyond for every single client we have templates that we obviously like modify for like every client if they need it but we also really pride ourselves on how personalized things are so it does take a bit more time not gonna lie but i have a very um an amazing team they take the time they do quality quality work and that's how we get good results good testimonials and a lot of referrals how would you say you've become a leader to that team and managed to build that Luckily enough, most of them have been coached by me or by one of my coaches and um, they, they, it's like they know my philosophy so well and um, they look up to me a lot and they want to make me proud. And I think having that culture where, yeah, they want to make me proud, they want to see the business thrive as well is really important. And I think as a leader, I show my appreciation to them a lot. I think... Um, it's it's super important to just encourage them and just make sure that they know that they're doing a good job and that their job is actually making an impact i think is very important so i've never had to tell anyone off um mistakes happen yes but i don't focus on the mistake i just focus on like okay next time here's what you can do instead and it's a very chilled out environment like there's no there's never been any like drama thankfully um no i love my team honestly uh i'm so grateful for them and honestly without them like i'd be nowhere like for me, I think a big thing is learning how to delegate things as soon as possible to the right people is, is game changing for sure. Yeah, and one of the things I'd say actually as well with problems are gonna happen all the time in business, but I, one of the best things I've found is to almost, t I take responsibility mm -hmm. myself and then they'll say that it's their fault. 
sort of like the more you take ownership as the leader of the business the more they're going to always feel bad because they know that they fucked it up yeah that they're going to then try and go like above and beyond for it to not happen again 100%. ultimately it's all our fault because like if someone's shit we hired them and we put in that position and trained them right and we haven't explained how to do it properly so um i think that's an important framework to understand how do you think your skills have developed doing that is that over a period of time or just like time in the trenches um in terms of like actually training yeah. my team honestly i've i think it's just time in the trenches um i've uh i'm not very good at like communication i would say and like meeting cadence and like mm. those kinds of things so with time and like with practice it's gotten a lot better um i would just say trying to gather as much feedback as possible like i say to my team members like hey if at any point you have feedback for anything just let me know so i think gathering feedback and taking that on board is really really helpful especially with like um a certain there was like this one area of our onboarding that was causing a bit of friction and then one day like my coach one of my coaches was like hey why don't we try this instead it was actually a really good idea so i think having that environment there where you say to your team hey this is a very very safe environment for any feedback um is really really helpful so that they feel comfortable and i think in terms of job security for them as well like you have to think these people their alternative is working like a shit job that they hate right but you don't want this to turn into one of those um for me one of my biggest like fears like a big risk you can account for is like one of your coaches leaving because that's a lot of clients that are just going to be coachless for a little bit and that's not that's not great so i think really just treating your team with respect um is is really important 100 i think that goes a long way and i think you've done a lot to obviously build that relationship mm -hmm. with them and i think that's where a lot of people particularly i sometimes see when people start to make a lot of money is it almost becomes like a dictatorship and the reality is when people have a business that's a dictatorship, it's actually a business they can never scale because they're the person who's fully involved in everything. Mm -hmm. And actually the more your business grows, the more you need to step out of it and you actually need to spend more time just like thinking and learning like what's the next decision in terms of what I need to do rather than yeah. like, I naturally want to run in and do everything myself where I have to stop myself like, yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed to do certain things like even though I can because mm -hmm. it, it feels your own ego and your addiction to your business to make you look smart and fix everything. But the reality is you look smart if you actually just get someone else to fix it for you. 100%. I think laziness, smart laziness mm. is like one of my biggest assets. Um, 100% I'm saying. Like at the start, I was very quick to hire my um, VA, EA. She's a superwoman. Like I, got, I lucked out with her. She was like my first proper hire and she's done super well. Literally, she does everything like any sort of client gifting or whatever she's got my like business card she buys it anything any emails any cancellations like from the start i'm like i'm not doing this you are um i think not being afraid to delegate is huge because then you have so much more time to actually focus on what matters i think a lot of people are just stuck in like oh this client wants to cancel let me whatsapp them back or oh this client wants this this that i'm like i don't even reply to that anymore i send a screenshot to beverly hey beverly please email this person that's it and the more you can take yourself out the loop of that bullshit the more you can focus on the things that actually make a difference yeah exactly. and i think that's where most coaches can't see the wood through the trees and that's why they end up stuck and they can't lift their head up to mm -hmm. see what's really going on because they're like stuck in trying to fix everything themselves stuck in the trenches of coaching as well mm. i think um, a lot of people they just have way too many clients and then you're just stuck trying to fulfill those clients you don't have time to do anything else like right now i'm actually like whenever one of like my actual og clients like leaves i'm like okay 
<laughs> I'm like, okay, bye. Like, no offense. But it just frees up more time. Um, yeah, I've got like, I, I, I was at 100 clients at some point when I'd first started. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I can't do this alone. You know, and it was very hard at that time to actually bring someone on. It took me, I think, two or three months to bring on my first coach because I was so busy with my clients. Whereas now, if I'm bringing on a new coach, it takes me a couple of weeks because I literally have so much more time, you know? So it's super important to just, as soon as possible, once you've hit a certain threshold, hire, you know, your team. Do you wish you did that faster? Yes. Mm. Oh my gosh, yes. I got to a point where I had no life. I was, I was living in London. It was cold and miserable, which made it even worse. I was literally just, I was doing calls, coaching clients, setting them up. And just every time I opened my um, WhatsApp, it was at least like 40 new chats every single time. I was like, I was, I used to sweat waiting for it to load. I was like, oh my gosh, how bad is this going to be? Um, no, I, I definitely waited way too long to bring on my first coach. I think because I didn't realize that, that was my next step anyway. Like when I first started this online coaching thing, I was like, oh, so it's going to be just me and my clients, like 5k a month, da, da, da. And then you realize that, oh my gosh, I can actually grow so much more. Um, but yeah, I wish I had done it sooner. And again, if I had worked with someone who had been there, done that at the time, they would have told me to do it sooner. Yeah. What would you say has been the biggest thing you've taken since working with me and us at Seven Figure Scaling Systems last few months? Honestly, just charging more. Mm. Charging more and charging up front. I come from a background of only charging monthly, like only monthly. And I realized that that was such a, uh, it was causing a lot of hassle for us in terms of people just leaving or in terms of people just not being serious. And also when you charge up front, you make a lot more profit. That's a lot more you can reinvest into your business, especially with ads. I've never spent this much on ads in my entire life. That's another thing. It's just spending a lot more on ads. Um, and that's, it sounds so basic and so simple, but just having you there to check me and say, literally just spend more on ads. Oh, you increase your prices. It's just changed mm. the game. And then even before I started working with you, I think it was your first event that I went to. It was last year, the beginning of the year. I went as Adams plus one. He was like, come on, you should really come to this event. I was like, oh, fine. You said something about content. Um, you're like, just make it controversial. Ever since I did that, like my reels have been just doing so much better. It's like those little things when you have someone who's like, again, really well-versed in this game, it's just game changing. And that's what I find so fascinating because like, so for you, for example, like say it's like one, two things, or yeah. like, yeah, you need to hire this person. Yeah. And you then get like a 30K jump in revenue yeah. because it's so easy in terms of like, and like even with seven fixed scaling systems, I'm able to grow it very quickly because I've done it before. So uh -huh. I'm like, I know the problem that will happen in the business before it gets there. And when you can get to that point, like you can keep the upward like hockey stick growth mm -hmm. going because what happens to most people, like you said, that they don't know what they don't know. So like business is growing and then it hits a fucking wall because they don't, don't see the iceberg that's coming. And when you've made a lot of mistakes before, like you can see like a vision of where this is going to go and what's going to go wrong. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you probably need to fix that before it happens. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. I think uh, it's it, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Oh, right. Even now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have grown. So, like, if I had to start all over again, I think I could get to where I am like in maybe half the time, less than half the time, just because I know what I know now. So experience is very valuable. So you have someone that has the experience, work with them. Hundred percent. Um, appreciate your time today, Alia. Where's the best place for people to find out more about what you do, connect with you? Yeah, so Instagram, um, Alia Lifts, A L I double A Lifts is my main account. Um, yeah, follow me there. 
Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. For everyone who enjoyed that, make sure you smash the like button, um, share this on social media, hit subscribe. If you want help building your own fitness business, hit the link below and you can book in a free call with us and the team. And we also have a free gift, which is our 4C course in terms of lead generation, which will help fill your inbox with leads. So you can hit the link and get access to that. I'll see you next episode very soon.